Good afternoon, and welcome to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Uh, Tony Lynn Collins and Cheryl Ellsworth Jahani. We are two Texas licensed attorneys, and we are here on IRLoneStar.com 104.5 and 106.1 every Tuesday from 12 to 1, talking about different legal matters. And um, so we're doing this as a community service to you. We know that we have a lot of listeners out there. We want to thank you for listening. want to say a special hi to Sam. Sam, hope you're doing good. Um, you know, last week we were talking about updates on criminal law, and I'd just kind of like to finish that discussion. Um, there is a, a case, uh, June 17th, 2019, I think is interesting. I was talking about this to my husband, I think a couple of nights ago, and he had just heard it. And maybe this is why you heard it, Sam, maybe because of this case. Dual sovereignty trumps double jeopardy. So uh, it's a case called Gamble v. United States. And uh, basically the facts are in 2008, a guy named Terrence Gamble was convicted in Alabama State Court of Robbery, a second-degree felony. Several years later, Gamble was pulled over in Mobile, Alabama for a broken taillight. Police found marijuana, a digital scale, and a pistol in the car. <coughs> Excuse me. Under both Alabama and federal law, that's dual sovereignty. Alabama has sovereignty, state sovereignty, and federal law has federal sovereignty. Felons are prohibited from possessing firearms. Now, you guys know that, right? If you're a felon, you cannot be in possession of a firearm. Uh, Gamble pled guilty to state charges in Alabama, including marijuana possession and being a felon in possession of a firearm, and received a one-year sentence. Later, the federal government also prosecuted him for being a felon in possession of a firearm, and he was sentenced to 46 months in federal prison. Gamble wanted to have his federal case thrown out. He said, you know, what about double jeopardy? I've been prosecuted twice. Uh, you can't do this. Um, it's a violation of the principle of double jeopardy. And I don't know if you guys know this, but double jeopardy means you can't be tw tried twice for the same crime. Well, here he was. He was tried in state court and he was tried in federal court. Well, guess what? The lower court declined, citing the Supreme Court's long-held separate sovereign doctrine, which permits a second prosecution for the same offense by a different sovereign. <clears throat> Gamble asked the United States Supreme Court to hear the case, and they handed down their decision on July 17th upholding dual sovereignty, the dual sovereignty doctrine. It was a seven to two decision, guys, so that's not going to be overturned anytime soon. The court held that dual sovereignty still reigns over double jeopardy. Um, yeah, and I think, um, I think that's pretty interesting and pretty sad. Um, so you can just be tried and tried again, and you can serve a term and serve another one. Here's another case that was interesting that the Supreme Court ruled on. Um, it's Mitchell v. Wisconsin, and they handed down this decision June 16th, 2019. In May of 2013, police in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, were investigating a report of an intoxicated driver when they found this guy, Gerald Mitchell, walking by his vehicle, stumbling and slurring his words, okay? Officers arrested Mitchell for a DWI and drove him to the station for further tests. On the way, Mitchell passed out, okay? Which, uh, he passed out, so instead, they took him to the hospital to draw his blood. 
now he's unconscious, right? So the whole question is, if I can't give consent or withhold consent, can you take my blood, right? So the officer asked hospital officials to draw a blood sample from the unconscious Mitchell, which showed his blood alcohol content was 0.222. Now remember, the level of intoxication is 0.08. Mitchell later moved to suppress the results of the blood test on the grounds that the warrantless blood draw violated his Fourth Amendment right against unreasonable searches. The trial court denied his motion to suppress, and a jury found him guilty. The case was appealed to the Washington Supreme Court on June 27th. In a 5-4 to four decision, the U.S. Supreme Court vacated and remanded the decision. The court held that an officer can almost always direct hospital personnel to conduct a blood test on an unconscious person when the officer has probable cause to arrest the motorist for drunk driving. In uh, 2013, the court in Missouri v. McNeely decided that the dissipation of alcohol in the blood alone does not create a per se exigency. So, I mean, what that means is a lot of times police can do things because they say the, uh, the evidence is disappearing, so there's an exigent circumstance. I had to hurry up and do it. So, uh, in this other case, Missouri v. McNeely, they said that just because it's dissipating doesn't mean you've got to go get the blood right now. But in Mitchell, the court identified a circumstance that's generally going to fall under the exigent circumstance exception to the warrant requirement, which is they're unconscious and and uh, they can uh, get blood. So recap that for me. I just did, Tony. No, what's the difference between the two cases? Well, they're just, they just, in 2013, Missouri v. McNeely decided that the dissipation of alcohol in blood alone didn't create uh, per se exigency. Uh-huh. And uh, they were saying... Yeah, they, in, they were mad. They wanted to hurry up and take the blood. So they were saying that was an emergency. Right. Got it. And uh-huh. they said, nope, not true. That's not true. That's true. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then in this case, this Mitchell case that was just decided uh-huh. in June... The court identified a circumstance that's generally going to fall under the exigent circumstances. Okay, and what they was that example? When the guy, it, this case, he he was unconscious. Yeah, well, of course, that's that's he pretty. passed out in the back of the police car. Well, that's because that's a medical reason. So that would be an emergency to take their blood. We don't know if he was going to die, if it was poisoning, had or whatever. a heart attack. Okay. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know, I have a case right now um, in Fort Bend County, and uh, you know, the gal was taken to the hospital. My client. And they drew her blood. And, you know, I watched the video. She's very polite. She didn't look intoxicated, but her blood alcohol after they, she she swore to me that they'd not take her blood. They never remember. Yeah. And then she, for the last year, she has sworn to me they did not take my blood. And then I got all the videos. And there's a million videos when you go to the hospital because they're, it's when they drive up. It's the scene. It's when they try to get you to do the filter body test. It's, it's when they take the blood. It's after they take the blood. I mean, and then there's all these different cameras. That's the way it should be, too. And that's why when police officers don't have a video, either a body cam or the one in their car, you know something's up. Because yeah. there's, there's, there's cameras everywhere, including just like on TV recently. Um, I can't remember what, the, the, what it was. It was... Um, Oh, yeah, it was not. It was a law and order show. Oh yeah, <laughs> I take that back. I'm getting reality mixed with. Uh, there was one where they, the guy, they, the the officers had lied about what had happened when they shot a an innocent guy, and then somebody had videotaped it from afar, like they do. So even uh, third parties are videotaping these things. Anyway, so I got all our videos, and it showed that they did take her blood, and her blood alcohol was very high, but the court threw it out. At least the the uh, civil side, the one that's more difficult to win, the ALR hearing, they threw out 
the, uh, the charge. They dismissed it on the civil side, which means I have a really good chance of getting dismissed on the, no on the criminal side. Why did they dismiss it? Because she told them no. She, uh, even though she threw up in the guy, the police officer's car, she was sick, she was, she was too out of it to do the field sobriety test. She was with it enough to say, no, I don't want to do it, but not like that. She just said, no, thank goodness. And um, when she got to the hospital, she, she consistently said no, and they took her blood anyway. She wasn't unconscious. Yeah, she threw up in the car and they took her to the hospital, but there was no wreck. Um, there, was no, uh, there was no consent. There was no warrant. They should not have taken. Oh, I take that back. They got a warrant, but they got the warrant after they took it. Yeah. So it was the the uh, the judge. I wasn't sure how they were going to turn on that. I had three officers against me. She wasn't there. All everything looked really bad. And then I got the notice in the mail from the ALR judge saying, "No, you uh, we're dismissing this case. They didn't prove their case because she did not give consent, and they took it anyway. And you can't do that. That's unconstitutional." So, because she wasn't unconscious and there was no wreck and everything fell into place for her not to have her blood drawn and they got the warrant wrong, that all went away. And so, we're likely, highly likely, going to win on the trial level because I was able to beat the rap on in the civil level mm-hmm. where it was a much higher standard That's to great. get passed. So, but that goes to this uh, blood draws. It's really important. But I can't emphasize enough to all my people, like we, we talk about almost every show when it comes up, uh, that... You, you need to say no. As authoritative as the police officer may sound, right. as polite as you want to be, right. you politely say one word, no. Right. And if you can get it out without sounding drunk, my attorney, I want to speak with my attorney, shut it down yeah. because they have no evidence. That, and you could say no to the field sobriety test. Yeah, don't do not Don't do, do it. If a ballerina can't test. pass them. Yeah. Just don't and do all it. they're doing is collecting evidence yes. against you. Just. They're filming you so the, the jury can laugh at you when you say whatever your defense or is going to be. Or even if you are like the, the, the case that we did together where the guy looked completely sober oh, in every was way. That was he, it was just having to look at yourself on film thinking, I've got to shape up. <laughs> I'm not the best shape anymore. <laughs> You're, you're reminded of your age, unless you're like one of my clients who was so beautiful when she did her field sobriety test. Oh, really? She was so cute. I wanted to take a trial even though she was drunk because she was just so pretty. I knew she'd win just on being beautiful. Right. She was so polite and so sweet and so drunk, but she looked, it was like she was walking, doing the walk and turn, and it was, and she's not a dancer. She just had a really good figure, mm-hmm. and she was just being so sweet. It was very entertaining. She took her jacket off almost like a strip tease, but it was just her natural <laughs> kind of like Marilyn Monroe sexuality or whatever, but uh-huh. uh, that one got dismissed too, so we didn't go to trial on it, so oh, we were good. okay. <laughs> There's a lot of luck with my girls, but girls, don't get crazy. No drinking, all right? Yeah, no drinking and don't do those field sobriety tests. Just don't do them. You know, I tell my clients, if this ever happens again, just accept the fact that you're going to go to jail tonight mm-hmm. and call me. Yeah. Just <laughs> accept the fact that you're going to go to jail and don't submit to anything. And, you know, that kind of goes to, um, I, I don't, you know, I know we're talking about the different laws and that, what have you, but I had pulled up, we were talking about non-disclosures, which happened to be uh, just, a, I'm getting a lot of people that want to clean their record up right now. A lot of them, I didn't know this either. I guess I, sh- I kind of knew it, but it was confirmed for me by another attorney I was working with, um, that if you've got your green card or you're not a citizen of the United States, but you've got some permit to be here legally and you mess up, they can take that away. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and you're back over at the immigration court trying to explain away why they should let you stay. And mm-hmm. it's a period of like seven years from when you get your um, your green card or your, or your um, you know, protective status uh, license or, or whatever they're all called. There's a million of them, whatever the visa may be. Um, but th- that can be overturned. So people that were 
were coerced or manipulated into marrying a person that was not here uh, legally, uh, and you thought that was your one true love, and it ends up they were just trying to get a, 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 a right to be here legally, right. and you were duped, and you're, mm -hmm. you're heartbroken. Um, that is not the end all. If they mess up within seven years in any way, if it's determined that there was fraud, or, then, then you can get, if you just pick the phone up and uh, call the right attorney who has the right connections with the people that work for ICE and immigration, um, you can get them to take a closer look at that person that defrauded you, that married you only because they want to become a citizen. Because that just really enrages me. People, I understand marrying somebody because you really love them, and, and that's completely appropriate. If if you you met the love of your life and they were Chinese or, or like in my uh, uh, father-in-law's case, they were Greek. they were Greek. Of course, mm -hmm. not me, but but him. He married mm -hmm. a Greek citizen. Mm -hmm. um, or, that's one thing to, right. to, to want to I marry somebody for agree. love. But mm -hmm. if they come over here and they they meet your 19-year-old or 18-year-old, your 17-year-old daughter, and they persuade them because of love to marry them, that's not fair to them. They've ruined their life because it's not true. Right. There, there's nothing right about that. No. And, it's another and it thing. happens a lot. It happens a lot. It happens a lot. I, I, and I, that's not to say that somebody couldn't have been in love and then they fall out of love. But you no, know, but that's not what you're talking you know about. Why right after you got married, everything got everything turned south, or, or shortly, you know, within the first five years yeah, or something, there was, that you're going to realize, you, you will probably realize. And you, and, yeah. and, and girls, and I guess guys too, for that matter, you can do something about it because they, that's not, they're not permanent yet. So for seven years, you can do something yeah. about it. Uh, we're going to take a quick okay. break, Tony. And when we come back, uh, before you start talking, because mm -hmm. I know you want to talk a while on non-disclosures. And the CWI was the same case. Okay. Uh, Tony and I, today, we are just talking about some criminal things and we will be back right after the break. An estimated 1 in 10 births will result in a neonatal intensive care stay, also known as the NICU. Overnight, a family can find themselves and their newborn baby in a critical situation. The Mila Foundation financially and spiritually assists families in need. If you would like to volunteer or become a monthly sponsor, please visit us at www.themilafoundation.org. Again, that's www.themilafoundation.org, because every life matters. A Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's radio station with talk, music, weather, and traffic for Montgomery County. Have a question or comment about one of our shows? Want to know how to reach a host? Just contact the station at IRLoneStar.com or call in and leave a message at 936-647-3776. Get involved with your community with Lone Star Community Radio. Is there someone you know who is hooked on vintage aircraft? Follow the commemorative Air Force and its fleet of World War II planes, including the mighty B-17 Flying Fortress Texas Raiders, which is based in Conroe, Texas. Texas Raiders tours locally and all around the United States, offering the public a chance to put their hands on aviation history. What could be a more perfect gift than a flight on a historic B-17? Taking to the sky on the iconic bomber is an experience that will never be forgotten. For the touring schedule, reservations, or more information, go to b17texasraiders.org or call 855-FLY-A-B-17. This is Rick, TRC. Every Tuesday on my show, Afternoons with Lone Star, from 3 to 7, I play back-to-back -back classic rock hits. That's right. 
I like to call it a two for Tuesday or a three for whatever it is you'd like. Call the request line, 936-647-3776. Or message me on Facebook, Afternoons with Lone Star. Make a music request. That's right, you can do it. Here's what else. Go over to our website, IRLoneStar.com. Get the app on your phone. It's easy. You'll like it. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app for your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's Community Radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That is Conroe's FM 104.5-106.1. A Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936-647-3776 to take your first step into the radio world. Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are here today talking about some recent uh, criminal uh, Supreme Court cases and some House bills in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tony, last week we were talking about hemp production. House Bill 1325 legalizes hemp production, removes hemp from the Controlled Substances Act, uh-huh. and legalizes CBD products that contain 0.3% or less THC. Mm-hmm. And you kept saying, well, now I can grow marijuana, I can uh-huh. grow marijuana. Uh, so I did some question asking. Hemp is not marijuana. Hemp is, is that stuff that I remember, I don't remember where I was, but I saw this thing. I don't know if I was in law school or what, but this guy had been harvesting hemp and put it in the back of his uh, van, uh-huh. and this cop pulled him over uh-huh. and said, you got all this marijuana, and the guy kept saying, it's not marijuana, it's not marijuana, it's hemp. And the cop said, this looks like marijuana. Uh, based on my professional, what is it that they always say? Pre- based on my professional experience, experience and knowledge, right. uh-huh. it, it is marijuana, and you're being arrested. Well, turns out it was hemp. Hemp is what they make paper out of and stuff like oh. that. Remember that from way back? Yeah. Rope, hemp rope and stuff like that. That looks like marijuana. But So why would they even be passing a bill about hemp then? Who cares? It's not a drug. People smoke it or something? No, I don't think so. Uh, but they get in trouble for it all the time. And I think maybe because it's so similar to marijuana. Um, How is it similar? Well, look, it, it's a, it's a, it is a, I don't want to say a byproduct because it's naturally grown. It's not something that's produced. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, it's. So it is, I just wanted to. Yeah, help I, I, yeah. Fill us so in. hemp basically is the same plant, but certain plants have been to have active ingredients of THC. That's right. So That's when you have the same plant, you can put them all together, and there's very f- common person wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Okay. So. It's just that hemp is not a drug. It's just simply the no, something that you well, make. It's, it's, it's not. Well, certain, it, it they classify it as hemp when it has a certain ratio of THC lower than XXX, okay, depending on it. where you are. Okay. So it is, it's technically the same plant, but. Huh. It gets classified when they do testing or when okay. 
stuff like okay, that. Okay, so, so what? Now tell me what? Why would this person have hemp in the back of their car? What's the well, real reason was, for having it? Well, he was he was making something from the hemp. Is that true? Yeah. Oh yeah. Tony, they've got hemp lotion, hemp paper, all sorts of stuff, which I think is kind of incredible because now the production is legal and we keep t- worrying about all the trees and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you can actually grow this stuff like crazy and make paper products that supposedly are actually better. Yeah. When you grow it, how do you keep the marijuana uh, uh, element out of it? Well, I think it's just a strain. I think it's, I think it's just if you're a, a plant person, there's a way to you know how to do it. Way to fertilize like it. Like an A and M agriculture. Yeah. But then also, what, what I also found out through my questioning and following up is that when now this will show everybody how naive I am. But when you smoke marijuana, you're actually smoking the bud of the plant. I always thought it was the leaves that they uh, were. Oh, I did, I did too. Yeah. Well, no, it's the uh, it's a bud like a flower. Huh. Part of the plant. So anyway, I wanted to clear that up for our listeners. So read uh, that, that law again. A high House Bill 1325 mm-hmm. legalizes hemp production, uh-huh. removes hemp from the Controlled Substances Act, okay. and legalizes CBD products that contain 0.3% or less THC. Okay. Now, now so I understand. there you go. Okay. That's, that's no, the you. limit. Yeah. Thanks for that input, and I understand more about it because I did think hemp, you know, early 60s, Cheech and Chong. (laughs) Yeah, and it's not the same thing. But to me, it just kind of shows why everybody's so angry that marijuana is so illegal is is that even hemp was on the Controlled Substances Act. The government just went totally crazy when they started passing all these laws about marijuana. When you're setting up a a procedure or a law on something that looks exactly the same, we know it takes time. Yeah. I mean, well, it's been a long time. Well, I, I'm I'm just saying because if you think about like this police officer who might have couldn't believe that guy, but you're looking at the same looking plant. Right. Yeah. And it, I, I mean, think same odor and everything. Yeah, I remember so, the cop like pot too, was really? saying, yeah. well, "Well, it's the same plant." Yeah, oh. but it just has a lower. Yeah, so so really, I think it's not as pungent. Okay. I think that's what the police officer was saying, but he was saying it didn't smell exactly like it, but it kind of smelled like it. Interesting. Well, you know, that kind of gives me a good segue because next week we have Representative Toth coming in mm-hmm. who is going to be very familiar with all of these bills that were just passed. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I guess he can sort of let us know what the process was and if they have experts that come in that, you know, how, why some things take longer than others and why this particular bill was passed because I'm curious, was there... You know, how much hemp production is out there that we actually had to have a law? Well, the reason that this was passed, I think, is because they are moving towards get, making recreational marijuana legal. And there's just, there are well, a lot hemp of... hemp also has the ability to be used in any chemical, a lot of chemical situations, like making plastics, okay. of, mainly plastics. Like, it's, it's harder than certain plastics, and it's softer than certain plastics, mm-hmm. but more durable. So, if, mm-hmm. if anything, the state of Texas is trying to say, hey, we'll bring the hemp... It, uh, industry here. And oh, oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Bring more jobs. But I think like also that. we're moving towards the use of recreational marijuana. Well, I can't wait to get the inside track and have Representative Toth tell us, you know, what he what was yeah. going on in the chambers when this law was going being passed, so we can find out what what the the goods were on it. So I'm really, again, I'm I'm really excited about Representative Toth being here. And if you have any, and that's that's going to be next. That's going to be next Tuesday. Yes. Uh-huh. And if you, so if you have any questions, if you want to. Facebook at those questions for uh, the representative, and and uh, we can ask him that too while he's in. Maybe we can answer them on the air. Mm-hmm. Okay, so but we were but a little bit before that we were talking about DWIs and you know the the, uh, the ability for uh, I guess the law uh, showing that there's uh, there's more of a uh, uh, there's the law enforcement is prevented from doing some things 
legally, although they may have told you otherwise, and maybe they don't know. But this kind of goes toward what the, how much the law is changing toward DWIs also <coughs> with, with regard to hemp and marijuana and all that. Mm -hmm. um, they've made it, they're, they're loosening up just a little bit because, you know, people have lives to live and we don't want the government kind of breathing down our throat on it about everything. So um, Texas criminal procedures are in most cases part of the public record, and this goes toward DWIs and non-disclosures. Um, uh, just uh, the bottom line is if you get, uh, if you make an agreement with the prosecutor because you were charged with a driving while intoxicated, um, there's a lot of ways if you hire an attorney, specifically if you hire somebody that's done it before, there's a lot of ways that you, it's not the end of the world. If you're a 17 or an 18 year old, even a 16 year old that got stopped and charged with this, uh, with right a DWI? Or wrong, with a DWI. Um, you, it, it may have been a mistake or maybe you need some help, but. Uh, if you go the, uh, the direction of, okay, I was totally out of it, I was totally drunk, I cannot win this, it's my, I don't qualify for a pretrial intervention because I, I was belligerent with the officer, you know, I said no to everything, um, you still may qualify for a deferred uh, adjudication on that DWI. And so the question comes up, if I get a deferred and I get that deferred um, uh, dismissed because I've complied with all the requirements that the court has has given me. Then, uh, then I, I I'm I'm fresh. I'm free to go. I don't have a DWI. It was dismissed. Not so. You know, Tony, we talk about this a lot. But for our listeners, tell them what a deferred is. Okay, and that's what we're going to talk about right now. The deferred. Okay, <coughs> uh, a deferred is when you uh, you negotiate or your attorney. You can do it also if you feel comfortable with it. But just be careful not to give up information to the prosecutor because whatever you say can and will be held against you. They're a part of the government. Right. And um, a deferred is when you've, make, you've made a, a plea deal with the prosecution that your case, your charge will be dismissed if you uh, comply with certain requirements that they set out. So a deferred could end in three days if, that, if it was something small. If you, if you go to jail for three days, we'll dismiss it or... Uh, it could be a full two years. For two years, you cannot drink alcohol. You must be drug tested. Or if it was because you, uh, your your wife uh, uh, or your husband uh, asserted that you beat them up, family assault, but you don't look like the kind of person that would do that, and perhaps that person was the one that started it, they were lying about something, and they've now recanted, but they're not letting it go because they don't believe that person didn't really do it, your spouse, right? And so they'll say, okay, well, we're going to put the person that was accused of that on a deferred for two years because it kind of gives them a chance to see it out. Mm -hmm. Are they going to do it again? Are they really criminals? Are they really violent? Because if you go on a deferred and you mess up, then then you've got the full range of punishment for that particular charge that you're to on the discretion for. of the and you've already pled guilty and right. so they try to bring that in too. And you haven't pled guilty; you've just asserted guilt with a, a, a sworn statement to get, the and deal. then you've got to get rid of that. So your attorney's got a lot of work to do if you mess up on your deferred. Right. And and uh, same thing with a pretrial intervention, uh, uh, pretrial, pretrial diversion type deal, where if you've the court has asked you to do something and they're giving you a second chance so this thing will be dismissed from your record and then you don't comply with it, then they can use much, they've got the full range of punishment against you at that point. Right. And, and so it's kind of a bad thing. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Um, so it's just deferring a guilt sentence for a period of time, watching you comply with what the court has imposed. It's a probation, but it's not a probation where you've already pled guilty and right. probation. And then at the end of that time period, if you've been straight and clean, right. then it's going to go away. Right. The, the, um, the prosecution will then 
dismiss it. And so, and, and when I say uh, it's not a straight probation, I, that, that kind of made me think that uh, probation is when you've gone to the judge or a jury has said, you're guilty, but we don't want you to be incarcerated. You're, you're not a risk to society or whatever, you know, what, what the long, it's a long, it, probation is not a given either. Right. But if you meet the qualifications for a probation, then they don't send you to jail. They let you stay out and comply with whatever it is. It could be an ankle bracelet. It could be any number of things that they decided that, that are required so you are out free while you, are, you take your punishment right? Mm-hmm. Um, a deferred, on the other hand, is not something that's imposed by uh, the judge or the jury. In fact, a deferred can never be given by a jury. If you elect to go to trial, you are not going to get a deferred. Many times, if you elect to go to the judge, even a bench trial, and I believe this is all the time, and I need to, to make sure that I'm, uh, that I'm, I'm speaking correctly on this, but I believe that once you've taken this out of the negotiation stage with the prosecution, you're now probation because because the judge can no longer give you a deferred. But I don't know that that's actually the case. I, I think that is true. Okay. I do know that deferred most of the time, if not all the time, is something that you work out with the prosecution. Because I, I think a judge can't give you a deferred. Okay. They believe that the prosecution believes either they have a weak case or they believe that you're a good person because prosecutors are people too. And, and they, they have their moms and dads and their kids and and they usually are, are pretty fair, uh, mm-hmm. for the most part. I would mm-hmm. say 99% of the time, the prosecution is fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you get that 1% that's trying to make it up the the ladder, and they're going to just want to, no matter what, they're going to go to trial. And mm-hmm. a lot of times the court may be tying their hands. It may be an election year, and they don't want to look soft on crime, and they just can't let it go. They're just like, we have to go to trial on this. So there's a lot of different things that happen. But for the most part, particularly on misdemeanors, your prosecution will work with you. They've got overcrowded courts with many, many cases. They don't mm-hmm. have time to waste their time for a jury if they can work out a deal where you are rehabilitating yourself or maybe it didn't really happen, whatever the case may be. But let's just say that you enter a deal for a deferred. Well, and they make a lot of money if you get a deferred, too. You well, they make a lot of money classes. if they get a probation. I think they make more money on a deferred than a probation. Yeah, I haven't done this run the statistics, but if you do a deferred, they haven't wasted the county time. Uh-huh. They haven't, they haven't, it's done, and you're doing what you need to do to rehabilitate or to do what they need to do so it's off your record. Now, um, deferred, though, um, is, is it's not as if you are not here legally, and I'm talking about you've got a protected status or you've got a green card or you're, just, you're not a citizen. You're not a U.S. citizen, and you, do, and, and you are charged with a crime. It happens all the time, may, rightfully or wrong, whatever the case may be. Everybody's you know, innocent until proven guilty. And, and you agree to a deferred where you basically are telling the prosecution, usually in writing, I, I did this and I'm sorry it won't happen again. They make you write something out. Um, that, for federal purposes, is a guilty. So it is very important that it's not, oh, yeah, I'll get a deferred. It's my first time. No. If there's any question about your legal status here, you need to speak with an attorney immediately. You do not need to be speak. If there's any question at all, don't even try to represent yourself to the prosecution. Get a court-appointed if that's available to you, and it's usually only available in criminal cases, uh, before you say anything, because you need to look at what your options are yeah. and how that affects you. The, yeah. the, the, the legal consequences of what you say may prevent you from ever becoming a citizen or being here or staying here with your family or whatever, okay? So uh, don't take it deferred if there's some question about your citizenship, because immigration 
uh, we'll use that as a guilty plea. Uh, well, they they it's by law in the federal code in the immigration code they have to use it as a guilty. Oh my so goodness! So now you're fighting a whole new ball game, right? Okay. Right. And I think Dick gave us a yeah. A, We're going to take yeah. a quick break, and when we come back, we will wrap up our discussion on uh, DWIs, non disclosures, and updates to criminal law. We'll be right back. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app from your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's community radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That's Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. If you are on the computer, bookmark IRLoneStar.com as your internet radio station. A Lone Star Community Radio. Broadcasting 24-7 from the heart of downtown Conroe, Texas. Are you interested in learning more about preparing quick, healthy, and safe meals for your family? Would you like to spend time with others learning tips and tricks, along with practicing and tasting nutritious food? If so, the On the Road to Healthy Living Mobile Cooking School is for you. Call Amy Ressler at Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service at 936-539-7825 to find a class near you or volunteer to host a class. Lone Star Community Radio is ready for the summer. If you or anyone you know is looking for a summer internship, Lone Star Community Radio is a great place to learn the radio and TV business. Contact the station at info at IRLoneStar.com or call the station's message line at 936-647-3776. Lone Star Community Radio offers a great opportunity to those interested in learning about the radio world. Statistics show that one out of every six Texans struggles with food insecurity and hunger. And many people don't eat enough fruits and vegetables every day. The Better Living for Texans program is here to help you learn how to make healthy menu choices, save money at the grocery store, prepare quick and delicious meals, get more good nutrition in your day, and get more physical activity. Classes are fun, friendly, interactive, and free, and taught in English and Spanish. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better. Hispanic Chamber Connections with Dr. Carlos Sanchez, president of the Woodlands Conroe Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, featuring event announcements, member highlights, and more. Tuesdays at 1 p.m., broadcasting from the heart of Conroe, Texas, on IRLoneStar.com and Conroe's FM 104.5-106.1. Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. You know, over the break, we were talking about the whole hemp production thing, and, and Dick, our station owner and manager and uh, show supervisor, or whatever <laughs> he is, um, was he telling is us about Dick. yes, all uh, knowing. Was on telling radio us matters. something about the DA Brett Ligon, and was talking about uh, using a, a civil forfeiture, civil yeah, funds talk, that tell, have been tell seized. Tell us about what yeah. happened during that that particular segment you had. Well, no, we've been talking about on our morning show we do every Monday, Wednesday, Friday here on Lone Star. We do a local topic. And that what was time is your morning show? From 9 to 11. Oh, okay. And a local topic was hemp? <laughs> well, the local topic, there was an article in The Courier talking about uh, 
basically the district attorney here was going to use funds through civil forfeiture to fund testing of hemp. <laughs> and I was thinking, I was like, I really wouldn't like to know the answers. How many people are, are we, how many hemp plants are we confiscating? Are we stopping and testing? Exactly. Because, yeah. I, I mean, I guess, is that something that, is that a, def, um, is that a way to try to trick law enforcement? That's when, what I'm thinking. When you have like. Half, half hemp, half, you yeah. know, the other, the real stuff. Because I just can't imagine it being such an issue where they make a, an article about it. Exactly. Why? That's just one more. I mean, why not do it on some other drug that's bad for you? Whatever. It, it, that. Well, not even that, but it's more of like how much money are, do you, how much money do you going to plan on spending when you say, hey, we're going to get the money from this fund? And I'm like, right. And then just like, they must be testing yeah. a lot. Yeah. And just like you were saying, there should be a defense. Uh, maybe it's in this bill that we haven't read the whole bill that says warning or I've got a card. I do. Manufactured in production with hemp, so that you would get around. You would need this bill for that. And I don't see how, uh, if if they manufactured, if now the production of hemp is legal and it's so similar to marijuana, there's got to be an easier test than seizing all of it and then testing it and then saying, "Oh yeah, you're right. It was just hemp. Here's all your hemp back." Okay, I mean, so there has what, to be. When you, did you get the answer to your question though on no, how no. often they? Oh, okay. I, I think I want to. I want to reach out to the office though to understand the just. Just understand the procedure because it really made me kind of laugh because I was like, I can understand if this was a huge <laughs> exactly. issue. Yeah, and I it's think becoming, it is. It's becoming more burdensome. The big hemp on production, the law, the, mm-hmm. all the stuff we use hemp for. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know a lot of hemp being traveled through the city Montgomery of County, Montgomery or city. the Montgomery County. <laughs> well, you wouldn't know <laughs> because there. you're, yeah, you, you're not. I didn't know. I didn't know there was those, a big industry here. Exactly. Well, maybe Representative Toth will know. I don't know, but I'm going to look that up for sure because I'm curious. I didn't even know what hemp was. So, and I do a lot of cases and I do a lot of. Uh, civil cases with manufacturing that kind of thing. It's, it's never come up before. But um, to get back to Thank you, Dick. Uh, the uh, uh, yes, and we're going to go over that again. We're going to have the answers to those questions hopefully by uh, the next show. Okay, now uh, Texas criminal proceedings are the most part part of the public record. This means that anyone who knows where to look can obtain information about specific criminal cases, including arrest records and records involving probation and other outcomes. That's why everything's public right now. So, and your reputation is everything, right? So, um, I think it is. For example, I got a call from a credit agency yesterday, just on my cell phone, and it was somebody through um, Amazon asking me if I was my, by my maiden name, who I was. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, I haven't heard that name in 40 years. And they said, well, you owe some money on this credit card that, that was just bought, you know, and it, they continue to use it, you know, through Amazon. I'm like, well, I don't have an Amazon credit card. And um, it ended up that uh, I've got pristine credit, thanks to my husband, mm-hmm. making enough money so I can pay my bills. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, people are starting to use my credit all over the United States again. I have LifeLock, and it didn't show up. And I now I had to to go in there and make a fraud report, and they spent quite a bit of money on oh, Amazon no. using me. And it, it was my same social it was my same birthday, and it was my maiden I wonder name. how they got that. Because everything's available these days. Oh, right. Everything. Right. And so, and, and what I told this lady was, look, you know, I'm an attorney here in Texas. I have pristine credit. I've got a perfect track record. And it's, it's not that I'm, I'm a goody two-shoes, which I'm a little bit, but not so much. Um, it's that you, your reputation is so important to you, to in, in the truth. That, that people that can rely upon what you say, they, they look at your background. Can I trust you? There's so many people that meet you at first. Do they want to do business with you? Oh, well, do absolutely. I want to loan credit? Do I want to give you a job? Do, for, do I, will you, I let you watch my kids? Do I want to be in your same church group, your Bible study? I mean, to get into my different Bible studies through the, 
the the Galveston, Houston, DCs, I had to um, go through a series of tests, a lots of a, a massive background check. So your reputation is very important. Now, uh, a lot of calls recently on people that wanted us to clean their records up, right? Right. right. Um, it is possible in limited circumstances to obtain an expunction or an order of non-disclosure which directs public officials and agencies not to release information about a public, a, pub, mm. a particular criminal case in public. A new law was passed by the Texas legislature, uh, and it was House Bill 3016, which expands the availability of non-disclosures in Texas DWI cases. With some exceptions, DWI is a misdemeanor, criminal offense under Texas law. And, you know, the exceptions are going to be um, if you it's your third DWI or if there was an accident involved or if there's means if someone was injured. How high your blood alcohol How high your blood was. alcohol is. It's going to move like from a misdemeanor. And a, a B goes to an A if you're over a .15. We discussed that last week. It's really easy to get over a .15 if you're having your couple of glasses of wine at Perry. So have a designated driver. Now, um, intoxicated is defined as either lacking the normal use of mental or physical faculties because of alcohol or drugs or having a blood alcohol concentration of at least 0.08%. A DWI offense is ordinarily a Class B misdemeanor with a minimum jail sentence of three days or a minimum of six days if the defendant had an open container of alcohol in their immediate possession. And I'm talking about your backseat driver that you didn't even know was drinking uh, has a flask or maybe a little, whatever it is, that open, and it had even a drip of alcohol in it. Mm -hmm. It could be you didn't even know that that open beer can was in there because you were toting somebody, uh, you know, to the airport that was having fun after a happy hour of celebration or wedding, and they left it in your back seat. That's an open container, mm -hmm. and, it, and you would get charged with that. Now you've got the six days in jail. Now, if a defendant's blood alcohol concentration was 0.15% or more, it becomes a Class A misdemeanor, much more serious offense. Now, now, is this changes to the law? This is new? No, that's the same. That's always been the way it is. Um, <clears throat> but the, the non-disclosure part of it has changed. The governor of Texas signed House Bill, and this is back in 2017, but a lot of people don't know about this. Right. Um, it took effect in September of 2017. It applies retroactively to all DWI cases in the state, not just convictions entered on or after the effective date. That's very important. It sure a is. A lot of people could not know they could get a non-disclosure on their DWI right. uh, because it happened before and they haven't talked to their attorney And they again. couldn't get it before. Okay, yeah. so we're not drumming up business or anything, but and you can do this on their own. So contact us if you need some help, and we'll walk you through how to get a non-disclosure of your DWI if it Well, it's pretty before. involved. I mean, walking somebody through something like that would take a long time. But I've got some pretty bright people who are not attorneys, but they're doctors or they're engineers. And well, okay, maybe they're they are they have no administrators. They know they could do this if they were given enough direction. They're not just you know. Uh, an educated, you know, elderly uh, Enough direction, right. with special emphasis on enough direction. <laughs> <laughs> the bill amended the provisions of the state law that established procedures for orders of non-disclosure under the Texas Government Code 411.074. Now, that is the code that tells you if you're eligible for non-disclosure. So go to Texas Government Code 411.074. Just list out the eligibility factors. And this particular bill, though, that passed, uh, that became effective retroactively, but it was September of 2017, added new sections specifically addressing DWI cases. Wow. Now, in order to qualify for non-disclosure, a petitioner must have been convicted of a DWI as a Class A misdemeanor with a B, uh, blood alcohol concentration 
of 0.15% or higher. That's kind of weird that you'd have to qualify if it was higher. I'm sorry, must not have been. Okay. Okay. So you have to have a low blood alcohol content to get it non-disclosed because you're not a risk. Higher than that, you're making bad decisions and you might be an alcoholic. So they're not non-disclosing it under if you have a higher than 0.15, unless you've got a pretrial intervention. And then if you had a 0.48, you could get it non-disclosed. So you want to talk with your attorney about it if there's some question, right? Okay, the, the DWI case must not have involved an accident with another person, mm-hmm. which could involve a driver of another vehicle or a passenger in the same vehicle if nobody was injured, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. The petitioner must have no prior convictions, mm-hmm. including probation or deferred education on any other minor traffic offenses. So they're making it really tough on your DWI to get this non-disclosed. Well, at least you can get it before but I, you couldn't even get it. I can think of 20 of my clients right off that, that would applies qualify. to yeah. that would love to have their case non-disclosed. In fact, right now, I, could, I should call them if I needed more money and I had any time at all and let them know that they, I can do the non-disclosure for them. Now, if a petitioner meets the above eligibility criteria, the next question is when they can petition for non-disclosure. The earliest possible date depends on two factors whether a petitioner received community supervision, including probation or deferred education, and whether their sentence included a requirement that they install an ignition interlock intervice on their vehicle for a period of at least six months. Now, so here's the, here's the sort of uh, need-to-know bullet points. Mm-hmm. If a petitioner received community supervision for a DWI offense and successfully completed all the requirements and used an interlock, uh, for at least six months, they can petition for a non-disclosure two years after the date they completed the community supervision, okay? Now, second point, if the disposition of the petitioner's case involved anything other than community supervision and they used the interlock uh, for six months, they can file a petition three years after the date they completed their sentence. And the third bullet point, so that means that just means you've had something added to it. Other than community supervision, you had to do some other stuff. So it was a little bit more serious. Like take uh, classes or... Right, right. It wasn't just that. They, they, they had a more serious stop. There was something It wasn't on. just community supervision, including probation or deferred right. adjudication. Right, so they've got to do three years now. They're keeping a closer <clears throat> eye on you before they're not going to disclose this or let the public see it. Um, if the petitioner was not required... Last point. If the petitioner was not required to use an interlock for at least six months... They can file a petition five years after the completion of their sentence or community supervision. Now, let me read that again. If petitioner was not required to use an interlock for at least six months, they can file a petition five years after the completion of the sentence. In other words, if you didn't have that more harsh punishment of having an interlock in your car, mm-hmm. then you have to wait five years at this point because you have not been tested thoroughly enough per the legislatures and, you know, and, the, the, and our lawmakers that passed this. Oh okay? So that's kind of important, too. Now, that kind of leads to um, uh, the whole non-disclosure issue that we, we had talked about um, uh, earlier in our uh, discussion about the, the, kind of the differences and when you take it and when you don't. Now, the most common misconception about deferred education in Texas is that successful completion removes the criminal charge from one's record. That's just not true. You get a dismissal, it doesn't remove it from your record. You're thinking, yippee, I got a deferred, it's going to be dismissed. And everyone's like, yeah, high five. No, it may be, I, don't just take a deferred. You want to go after the dismissal if you can 
don't take the easy way out. In life, the easy way out is never, uh, if, uh, I guess, the road you take. Uh, what are all the little uh, the axioms for that? Um, choose the road you take. The easiest road may not be the the best road. Uh, the pathless traveled, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I forgot. But there's, uh, just don't take the easy way because sometimes you need to work a little harder for whatever reason it is. Just like with the um, with the deferred for the DWI that we just talked about. If you'd gotten an interlock and that was it, after two years you could petition for your to get it off your record and then perhaps apply to Harvard. And Harvard's not going to look at you like you have bad character and it may be between you and the other guy. And Or if you're a parent telling your kid, don't, I, you, you want to get the interlock it's worth it because now it's not going to be on your record when you apply to go to Harvard. It's going to be completely off of your record, right? Right. Or, okay. Yeah, you can apply. You can get someone to... Right. So it's sooner off your record because you did a little bit more work and there was a more harsh punishment. Now, deferred adjudication does not disappear if the terms are successfully completed. Rather, one must file a petition for non-disclosure to seal the records. Some offenses are not eligible for non-disclosure. Additionally, with the felony charge, one must also wait five years from the date one finishes the probation before one can file for non-disclosure. So if you've been on probation for 10 years because you just thought it was the easy way out, you've got to wait another five years to get it non-disclosed. If you have been convicted of a felony. Right, right. It was, well, it was a non-disclosure for a felony. Now, I will tell you this. That can be, uh, that is the discretion of the prosecutor where you file your petition for non-disclosure. The prosecutors may decide You've done enough. And I had one of those literally uh, several months ago where I filed a petition for non-disclosure. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they were going to get it because I had not, it wasn't five years past the deferral date. And the prosecutor dismissed it. They signed off on it that day. It was that quick. But it's five years after you complete the, the probation. probation for a felony. Right. But for these other, well, we've been talking about DWI. It's all going to be different. That's, that's so um, involved. It's all very different. So you have to look at the particular situation. But to keep get your record clean, you want to ask or look it up. Remember that government code can be kind of confusing, but it's worth, if you need some help, you know, get a consultation. We do them for free. Sure, sure. Um, if we've got the time for it. We're so busy right now. Um, anyway, in Texas, probation is called community supervision. There are two types of community supervision on our state, deferred adjudication or regular community supervision. Now, basically, community supervision means that instead of going to jail or prison as a punishment, a defendant is allowed by a judge to stay in the community and be supervised by the court. Those are all the terms and conditions you have to meet, Right. And you better meet them because I'm telling you, I've got a lot of clients that take them lightly and think they can just kind of skate right by. Oh, no. no. Oh, no. You need to. It's like just think about when you were a kid and you had a strict parent. You've got to follow that specifically and do what you're told to do or you're not going to get the result that you're looking for. Now, the the supervision term can be up to two years for a misdemeanor and up to 10 years for a felony. And that is not uncommon. I see that a lot. Yeah. Because it's so bad that it's not worth the risk going to trial over because they feel like they're going to lose. The deferred is a is a blessing if 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 you can get that and you feel like you're going to lose because you're um you may be facing life in prison and they're giving you a deferred. Okay, yeah. so the judge will impose requirements on the community supervision. For example, a defendant may be drug tested, will have to be employed, and probably will have to do community service. And I can honestly tell you, I've never seen a community supervision that it, that they didn't have all three of those. Uh, the most right, important requirement is not to pick up another offense. If one violates the terms of community supervision, the district attorney can ask the judge to revoke the probation and put the person in jail. We were just talking about that in our last show. Mm-hmm. If you mess up on your deferred adjudication, mm-hmm. 
then then it's all open. They yeah. can go. You go back it, to square one. And, and don't even think about going back to trial unless you really are going to pay your lawyer a lot of money to try to get rid of what you tell what you signed off on to get that deferred because you probably already sworn that you were guilty. Right. So do not mess up. I get these people that are five years into their deferred and they said, oh, I picked up another one. My girlfriend got mad at me, you know, and she called it. I'm like, then you better make up with that girlfriend, but fast. If it didn't happen, she needs to recant. You need to get with me. And it be- you better be telling me the truth. Because um, otherwise you're just going to have your record. Because maybe your record should show that you are, are uh, have done the things that you've done. Because you won't stop doing them. But also, you know, you and I talk about this, that if you did plead guilty, like you're getting a pretrial diversion and something happens, mm-hmm. then you can argue that I pled guilty for that deal. I mean, you do have a recourse if, right, right. if you want to withdraw that guilty plea. You've got an right. argument. Sometimes it may be <clears throat> that you weren't guilty and, it's, and you aren't supposed to plead guilty if you're not guilty. But sometimes it just looks like you can't win. And you've For everything that you've done, the best thing for you to do is to take the deferred if you know you're a good person and the dismissal is going to go, it's going to happen because you don't have a record, okay? Mm-hmm. So it, it, there's always different circumstances for everything. And I've seen it. I'm never, um, I have to listen to my client when they come to a consultation because nothing is ever cookie cutter, ever. Right. Now, deferred is usually offered to first-time offenders. As we were discussing, it's typically a better deal than a regular uh, community supervision because if a person finishes the term successfully, the person does not have a conviction. A conviction is a loose legal term, meaning a finding of guilt. A successfully completed deferred adjudication often can be sealed from the public with a non-disclosure. Deferred adjudication cannot be granted by a jury. So once a defendant elects to go to trial, deferred adjudication is no longer a possible punishment. If a person on deferred adjudication does not comply with the conditions of the community supervision, the district attorney may ask the judge to adjudicate. That's what that means, to adjudicate, to find them guilty. Um, that per- that person guilty of what they were charged with and put the person in jail or prison. And I've seen a lot of people go to prison. They're yeah. thinking, I'm home free. They're not. If the judge decides to adjudicate the person, the person can be sentenced to any term in the statutory range. Yeah, it goes back to square one more. So we've got like about 30 seconds here. What happens if they don't do deferred adjudication, they just do regular community supervision? They... They've got a conviction on the record. It's not <coughs> and available you can't to them. Get it you can go to the governor and ask for a pardon. You can try to get a but writ. The to... non-disclosure is not available. available. No. Okay, guys, you heard it here first. Uh, we want to thank you for listening. want to remind you that you can download our podcast tomorrow. And next week we have Representative uh, Toth that's going to come in, and he's going to answer all of your legal questions about what's going on in the state. Yeah, guys. So take care. We love you. Have a great week. Bye.